More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Ana Maria Guerrero Carvajal knows the considerable challenges her family's charitable foundation must tackle. Fundación Carvajal is an organization dedicated to helping Colombia's most vulnerable overcome poverty. Under Ana Maria's leadership, the foundation's team has recently remodeled its strategy, promoting a holistic approach aimed at addressing poverty on various levels. We spoke to Ana Maria, who is now the president of the board of directors of Fundación Carvajal, about her family's unwavering commitment to its community, why social impact has to be redefined in a rapidly changing context, and how her personal journey led her to the role in the foundation. Enjoy this episode with Ana Maria. Ana Maria, I'm so happy to have this conversation with you today. And I get to talk to actually three of your family members to tell the story, the Carvajal story, which is incredibly inspiring from so many levels. We're talking to you today about everything philanthropy and the family foundation. But what I love to do first, always at the beginning of these interviews, is I love to ask the personal question. And the personal question being, how did your story with the family business and the family foundation start? So what is your earliest memory of your family enterprise and sort of like your first association with the fact that your family has built this business? Well, my first link to the family business has a lot to do with the products that were made by Carvajal, meaning the notebooks, the writing machines. I remember the the Christmas ornaments that Carvajal produced a long time ago, the pop-up books for children. So my first memories related to Carvajal have a lot to do with the, with the products. Then when I was at school, I remember feeling very proud of the fact that the majority of my classmates used the notebooks produced by Carvajal that were very popular. I remember visiting the, the factories with my parents, with my cousins, and feeling very proud about that. When did you realize the complexity behind it? Like, you know, how big it was in terms of like the operations, etc. And when did you realize like how many of your family actually were involved in running Carvajal? Well, very early in life, I, I, I know I was part of a, of a very special family, not only in terms of the business, but also in terms of the social commitment of the family with, with the prosperity and with the improvement of the social conditions of the, not only of Cali, but of the region. So I grew up listening to all sorts of stories, quotes, anecdotes from my grandfather and all his brothers, sisters, cousins, and his desire from the very beginning of the business to help improve the conditions of the city and the region. So I, I knew very early in life that I was, I was part of a very special family. So you're today the president of the board of the Family Foundation. Did you always know that this was going to be the part of the family enterprise you would want to contribute to? How did your journey take you to this position? Yes, I know uh, my connection with the business 
was not as strong as my connection with the foundation, but this has a, a reason. And that is that my parents worked for the foundation for a long time. My mother, she's a social worker and an educator, and she has worked for more than 55 years at the foundation, designing educational content that comes with the, with the social programs that the foundation implements. And my father, he, he worked at the foundation also for a long time before, until he was elected mayor of Cali in 1992. <laughs> so ever since I was born, I was listening and, and surrounded by the, the work on the foundation of the foundation. And uh, that's something I always felt very inclined to that kind of work, more than the work at the business. Actually, in Carvajal, I only worked for a couple of months proofreading books and magazines, but it was, it was a very short period of time. The majority of, of, of my my life and my, my interest, my personal interest uh, has always been more linked to the foundation than to the business. And what was it like when you actually joined? Because I think we always, we get a certain impression of what these things are like through our parents and through our family. And so once you actually joined in an official capacity, like what was it like to look behind the scenes of the family enterprise? And what were you inspired by and what were you maybe surprised by? More than surprised, I feel very gratifying sentiment because I've always heard about the foundation. I spent a lot of time during my vacations, for example, working as an intern. I used to come with my friends to visit the, the family foundation programs. But now working in this position, I, I have the chance to value even more what the foundation has achieved throughout uh, time and also to, to face the challenge that we have ahead, which is enormous. We have done a lot, but the, the dimension of the problem keeps growing and um, that gives us a sense of moving faster, accelerating the, the, the pace, which is not easy at all. How do you prioritize where you start and how do you know that these, in fact, are the priorities when there are several things that actually are pressing issues at the moment for, for your region? Well, that is the hardest question to answer. We recently did a, like a, a revision of the entire strategy of the foundation, trying to answer exactly what you're asking, because it is frustrating to see that even though we have worked for 60 years and we have proved methodologies with external evaluation that, that actually confirm that what we do has an impact and mm -hmm. that produces results in the quality of education, in the improvement of microenterprises, we, we do have a lot of evidence that what we do actually works and that that is something very satisfying for us. But at the same time, you see that unemployment doubled two years ago, yeah. not only with the pandemic, but with the terrible uh, riots we suffered in, in, in the entire country, but particularly in, in Cali and, and Buenaventura. So it is frustrating to see that the social issues and the social challenges just keep growing, growing at a faster pace. We recently decided to make a revision of the strategy of the foundation looking to grow the impact of the of the organization, especially facing these tremendous consequences of the pandemic and the social riots we, we suffered in, yeah. in Cali and Buenaventura, in the entire region, actually. So basically what we decided is to work in a more holistic way 
and to prioritize some geographic territories. We find that in, in, in order to actually overcome poverty, it's not enough to improve the quality of, of reading skills in fifth grade, or it's not enough to improve the conditions of the early childhood programs. We really have to work all together in order to increase the possibility, the probability of those families to overcome poverty over time. So one decision we made was that all those programs that we know that they work and they have uh, impact, put them all together in specific geographic regions or territories of Cali, uh, the northern part of uh, the Cauca, and uh, Vadel Cauca, which is the the area we decided to to concentrate. Can you tell us a little bit more about the holistic approach? I want to understand this a little bit better because I think this is really exciting because I still think that a lot of the discussions around philanthropy hinge on maybe the more traditional models of like tackling one of these issues, as you just explained. But it also seems that it's understandable because taking a holistic approach almost seems an overwhelming thing to do at the same time. Like, you know, how do you even begin to think in such a way and how do you tackle that? Well, actually, this is a very difficult question to to answer because there are no magic bullets and there are no correct answers. It is okay for you to work in one dimension of the social development process or to work in different dimensions at once. You can choose to specialize your philanthropic work on improving the quality of education, or you can tackle health, or you can go for an environmental approach. There are so many ways to help society that there are no correct answers as to one way is better than the other. So um, what, what we decided or what we have seen throughout our 60-year-long uh, work is that poverty has a lot of dimensions, and unless you tackle them together, it is very difficult to overcome poverty. For example, if you improve reading skills of a girl in fifth grade, that's wonderful. That's one of the, the basic conditions that girl needs in order to prosper in life. But if that girl gets pregnant at 14 years, when she turns 14 years old, she's condemned to poverty forever. So yeah. it's, not, it's not enough to tackle isolated variables of social development. You really have to work with the family and you really have to guarantee that those children that are receiving high quality education at the same time have enough food at their homes. And you have to think about the, the conditions of the home. If the environment is a healthy one, you have to think about those parents if they have jobs. You have to think about, it's very frequent in, the, in, in these uh, communities that women are the head of the household and they have to take care of their children alone. So you have to think about the well-being, even the psychological conditions of those women. We see social development as a more integral work, and that's what we are moving towards with this new strategy. We are putting the pieces together pieces that, as I said before, are we know that what we have developed 
throughout the years, we have proved and we have external evaluations that confirm that those programs actually do have an impact. So what we are doing now is trying to integrate all those solutions into specific territories in order to, to improve the probability of these families to overcome uh, poverty. Because I always think family philanthropy is, an, is, a, is a very special beast, isn't it? Because like you have to find a way to have the impact that you want, that that impact is real. But then you also have to align the family behind a vision for that impact. Like, you know, how do you, at Carvajal, how do you agree with each other? How do you make decisions with regards to what is important? Is that something that is is complex or have you generally as a family been pretty aligned with regards to what should be happening? I think the family has always felt very proud of, of, the, of the work of the foundation. We constantly communicate the rest of the family about the, the, the impact, the reach, the stories behind all the beneficiaries. And uh, that makes us all feel very proud of, of the kind of work that the foundation is, is doing. We all agree that we have a special interest or a special emphasis in, in the region where we originally were located. Now, Carvajal, it's all around the world, but our heart remains in Cali, in, in the, the Valle del Cauca, and we, we are conscious of, of, of the fact that we have a lot of challenges ahead, and uh, we, we all agree that that's where we are, that's where we should be in the future uh, working, and we have, we have a lot to be done <laughs> in, the, in the near future. Every time that we get together as a family, we spend the time to learn about the, you know, the progress of the business, the new decisions, the new markets, uh, innovations, but uh, we also spend time to talk about the foundation and to tell the family what kind of progress are we doing, what kind of challenges are we facing in the future talking about family alignment but also so you ju you just explained that you've just recently now updated the strategy i mean do you have an overview of how often you do that is there a rhythm to it as a foundation where you say like you know we have a review of the strategy every so many years and how has it been handled recently or is it mostly something that happens reactively to new situations developing like the example that you gave of the pandemic I would say, no, the foundation thinks about the strategy every four to five years, approximately. So we, we constantly ask the question and think if what we're doing is, is appropriate and what kind of decisions do we have to make in order to adapt the foundation's work to, to the social conditions of, of our territories. So that's something that we do not not every year, of course, but uh, I would say every three to four years, the foundation thinks about the strategy and and reformulate or modify the work in facing the the, the challenges and the new conditions of the environment where we are uh, working. What would you say um, is today sort of like the greatest threat to the effective? running of your foundation? Like, what is the biggest challenge that you face? Well, the biggest uh, challenge, as I said before, is the social conditions of the territories where we are working. After the pandemic, of course, the entire world suffered terrible consequences and 
we are not the exception. But after the pandemic, we had this terrible social riots, the most devastating social turmoil we have faced in, in Cali in, in decades, I would say in, in, his, in the entire history. So the biggest challenge for us is to move faster, to accelerate the pace, because we do that the kind of work that we're doing has an impact. We feel very confident about the way we are approaching uh, social development in the region, but the dimension of the problem keeps just growing. So the biggest challenge for us is to be able to increase the partnerships, to partner with the local municipality and to other private and business actors in order to, to, to address the dimension of the problem. That's the biggest challenge. And it's a huge challenge to have, and it's a challenge that is takes a multi-generational approach. What about the next generation, Ana Maria? Like, you know, so if you look at the next generation, so, you know, I think Gen 6 is already in existence now for, for Carvajal, which is incredible. So the sixth generation is there. How do you uh, communicate with the younger generation around philanthropy? What is the messaging that the family does? And like, it, what's the role of the family foundation, I would say, in instilling that awareness that you grew up with because your parents also like were working in the foundation? That's a huge challenge to keep the new generations engaged with the work of the foundation. And we face that challenge through, as I said before, with uh, effective communication, constantly letting the family members uh, know what, what's going on and what kind of progress are we making. And there's also one strategy program that is uh, that runs the family office called the Next Gen program. And that program allows the younger members of the family to join board meetings. So that's that's a way for them to learn about the organization, to learn about the challenges, and to learn about the decision-making pro process. And also, the family office is also working in a program of uh, vo volunteers. So members of the family can work in specific tasks in, in, in the different programs that the foundation is implementing. And that's another way for them to, to get a closer contact with the, with the kind of job that, that we're doing. But I would say communication, the next gen in the board meetings and uh, the volunteers as well. But what about vice versa, receiving ideas from the next generation about what philanthropy should look like in the future? Are you getting a sense that the, the, the younger generations have a different vision about maybe like what should be happening or like how, what impact looks like for the foundation? And did you, have you had any feedback? Uh, well, it is, it's very gratifying to see that there is a growing interest of the new generations in, in philanthropy and sustainability and the way the family is addressing these uh, social challenges. Recently, we called for a position in the board of directors, and uh, it was very gratifying to see the, the enthusiasm of the, of the new generations. We had a lot of candidates for, for that uh, position. And uh, that, that tells a lot about the, the growing interest of the new generations in, in the subject. I think up to now, we have consensus about this, about the, the emphasis that the foundation should be doing or, or the, the strategy or the way to move forward. But as the family grows, I think uh, 
that question is going to be raised at some time because it's 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 normal if if you're talking about the 300 member family it's normal for new members or new generation generations to to propose new new pathways and uh, that's something that in the near future we will have to address up to now we we all agree that we have enough <laughs> enough work ahead and we all agree that the dimension of, of the problem after the pandemic and the, and the and the riots it's it's huge and that for now this should be our priority but that doesn't mean that in the future the foundation will will not explore other pathways i think that that's something that in time maybe we will have to address Because I was going to ask you, because in my conversation with Christina, who is uh, the president of your family council, she informed me that already 30% of your family is currently living abroad and resides abroad and with no firm intention of moving back. So you have family diaspora, basically, like people living in, and growing up potentially in different countries, etc. Do you see it as a, as a remote possibility in the future that the foundation might take up causes, I guess, like in the countries of origin of some of your family members who live abroad? or I see it the other way around, because I've seen that those family members that live abroad, actually, they are constantly thinking about what sorts of uh, innovations we can import to, okay. to Colombia. <laughs> I so see. we have family members living in, in the Netherlands or the States or Europe, And every time that they see an interesting approach or every, every time they learn about successful foundation abroad, they send us information for, for us to learn. So, so I see it as an opportunity of bringing international knowledge to Colombia, but I don't see in the near future them proposing to invest in, in, in other social issues in, in, in other countries. Even if they live abroad, I think their heart still remains in Cali. That's a huge opportunity because they are not only they are highly educated, they they work in multinational companies that have very successful sustainability practices. They travel, they go to to forums of uh, innovation. So so they, they it's it's a great asset for their family to have so many members living in, in different countries. Tell me about how, as an entity, the foundation communicates with other governance units. So, like, how does the foundation communicate with the family office and the family council? And how does the foundation interact with the, the business itself? Like, how have you structured this? In terms of how we communicate, every time the family gets together, we dedicate time for the business time for the family office, and time for the foundation. Every single meeting has a time slot for each organization. So that, that for us, it, it's equally important. In terms of the, re the relationship between the foundation and the business, it used to be very isolated. I don't know exactly why that was the way of, of doing things. And the, the business had its own sustainability practices and policies, and the foundation did its work in, in, the, in, the, in the regions we, we decided to, to focus on. But in the recent years, we have been working 
in a more articulated way. For example, the business, uh, the packaging business uh, has a, a huge challenge in terms of environmental impact. So uh, it's working intensively in the recycling of the, of the products that we're putting in the markets. And at the same time, the foundation has a huge experience and a lot of knowledge working with communities and working with the people who work and who live out of recycling. So what we have been doing in, in, the, in the recent years is working together in a program so that we combine the knowledge of both organizations in order for the business to, to achieve its goals in terms of sustainability and for us in terms of improving the life conditions of those people who live out of recycling. But it's very interesting. So this idea of not working in silos, but to align and become stronger in, in certain things, it requires so much communication. And again, this is something that Christina explained to me yesterday as well. Like it's a hard thing to communicate this much, to talk to each other this much, to anticipate potential misunderstandings around these kinds of important topics. Do you feel it's easier the more family members are involved on both ends? Because I also understand that, of course, You had a non-family CEO for a, for a while, and now uh, Pedro is in charge as a family member. Do you feel like the fact that there's a family member in an executive, in a C-level role, does it make it easier? Or do you think it doesn't have a really connection? Absolutely, yes. It does make it easier because we, we, are, we are talking the same language. We share the same values with not only the business, but the foundation And I, I think it does make a, a huge difference. Actually, Pedro has had a tremendous, a very successful role after the riots in, in Cali because he, as, a, as the head of the, of the business, together with other business leaders, went to the communities and started a, a direct dialogue with, with these young that were very frustrated and with a lot of resentment. Yeah. And, and he did that himself. He went to the very, the most dangerous areas of, of the city and he has played a, a very important role leading other businesses in Cali to start working, you know, hands-on and uh, with, with this social challenge that we have, we have faced. To what extent do you think that this has actually also just simply contributed to your business success? Because it seems to me to be very important for a family, it is how it is viewed, how it is seen to be giving back. Or have you always been, we also know families who are very quiet, what they're doing for the community is very quiet on the charitable philanthropic side. Like, So how do you see the interplay between the business success and the fact that the family has always committed an enormous amount of its resources to social development? I think both the, the foundation's work and the, the way of Carvajal doing things has contributed to a very strong reputation. I don't know if you know, but the, 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 the business slogan says, Carvajal hace las cosas bien, Carvajal doing things right. That's, that has been our slogan for 100 years, or I don't know, but for a very long time. And doing things right means a lot of things, means that for Carvajal, achieving financial success is as important as the way you achieve such success. 
doing things well means honesty is not negotiable. Doing things right means sometimes I know that the, the company has rejected very attractive business opportunities when corruption is around. So doing things right is a reflection of the, of the family values. And I think that's something that is built along the years and has contributed to the high reputation of, of the company that not only protects the company from potential crisis, but also helps build very strong relations, relationships with customers, with investors. And there's no doubt that the reputation, the high reputation of, of, the, of the company plays a role, a very important role in the business uh, success. Of course, the foundation contributes to that as well, because we have been working and, and, and demonstrating, you know, real impact throughout uh, more than 60 years. So I do think that commitment to doing things right has a, an enormous contribution to the success of, of the business. Ana Maria, what kind of skills does a family foundation really need? Like, so if you look at the next generation, do you have any sort of like hopes that you're thinking like, you know, we would love to attract more people who can do this and this and that because it would really help the foundation to increase its impact like you like you have explained to us in the beginning is your intention. In terms of skill sets, upskilling, what do you think, you know, the future foundation members should be bringing to the table? Well, we need a combination of different skills. The most important one for me is the ability to connect with community members and to see what their barriers are. So the ability to gain people's confidence and people's trust, it's a key one and it's not easy to develop, but that's the basis of everything that we do. So I would say the most important one is the ability to, to gain people's trust And that allows us to help them develop themselves. We always think that we, we have never approached the, the work of the foundation from a philanthropic way, meaning I have the solution for you to overcome poverty. We, on the contrary, we work, we, we try to understand the kinds of barriers that they're facing and we help them overcome those bar barriers. So I would say the, the, the most important ability for me is, is that capacity of, of gaining people's uh, trust. And also, of course, since we have this urgency of scaling up in a faster way, we need the ability of, of partnering with public organizations and international uh, cooperation organizations and other businesses and other NGOs. There are a lot of NGOs working, but we tend to, to work in a very isolated way. So the, the second ability I would say is, is key for the future of the foundation's work is, is that capacity of, of articulating other actors in order for the society to prosper. Do you have fundamental, maybe more general advice when it comes to setting up the family foundation For you, it's been a long time. The foundation has been in existence for a long time. 
any advice to those who are maybe at the start of this journey, core principles, guiding principles that you think a family should be paying attention to when setting up a foundation structure? I like to quote one of my uncles when he says that the most important thing is to fall in love with the problem and not only with the solution. Because we, in, in foundations, we tend to fall in love with our own solutions and our own methodologies. And we tend to think that is the only way to address a specific social issue. So it's, it's really important for, for foundations to be more humble and to think and to learn and to constantly be open to learn from other organizations. No, we, we don't know all the answers, but we in foundations, we tend to think that we do. So you get stuck with a specific way of doing things. And maybe there are other organizations that are moving forward at a faster pace. So having the, the, the mind open to, to share and to learn from others, I think it's, some, it's something that is crucial for us to move at a faster, at a faster pace. And also, I would say that answering the question of which way or which pathway to choose, it's not easy. It has a lot to do with the, the personal inclinations of, of, of the family. And it's okay. Every pathway, it's okay. The key question here is to maintain the path that you decided to 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 work on and to be open to learn from others and to articulate other actors. It is impossible for one organization to to do everything and to achieve the, the, the impact that is needed. So if we if we don't add more actors and we share knowledge and we we work in a more integrated way, we won't we won't succeed. I love collaboration as a final lesson and message from you to us, Ana Maria, for this interview. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.